What up, what up, Jason Villanueva here with the Kingdom Life Podcast, episode five. Thank you so much for listening. So glad you're with us. I hope you have enjoyed the podcast up until this point. I certainly have enjoyed recording it for you, and I'm excited about some of these upcoming episodes. Today, episode five, we're calling the Kingdom Dynamic of Kindness. The Kingdom Dynamic of Kindness. Our oh snap quote of the day is from Martin Luther, and it says this, God does not need your good deeds, but your neighbor does. Lord, help us to show love to our neighbor. The world is watching, and we can be kind, and we can show love and good deeds to those around us so that those may know the hope and the love that Christ Jesus has for them. God, use us. Use us, use us. Three things right up front. Number one, join our Facebook group and uh, go to facebook.com and you can search Kingdom Life Podcast Group. We have some members. I think we've got something like 12 to 15 members now. Thank you so much, Paul, for inviting your friends to the group. And if you are a listener and you join the group, you can invite people and certainly know that I will approve them. And uh, I'm excited to get the online community going slowly but surely. Hopefully we'll use Facebook group to have continued conversation and ask questions and uh, form some sort of online uh, community of, um, of faith and uh, discipleship. Be sure and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Search Kingdom Life Podcast. And please, 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 if you're listening on iTunes, rate and review us. It helps uh, kick the podcast up higher in the iTunes search um, search space. So check out KingdomLifePodcast.com. You can sign up for emails. We post all of our episodes and show notes and PDF download links on the website. And then finally, number three, download the worksheet with scriptures and notes. The link is down in the show notes. And hopefully those worksheets will help you to follow along. And not only that, but give you all the scripture references. And I would hope that you would go and look over those notes um, again and again over time as a reminder of some of the things that you're learning here on the podcast. Our statement to get us going today is the kingdom dynamic of kindness Excuse me, the kingdom dynamic of the kindness of God is an agent of change for us and those around us. So I am in process. And what that means is that the Lord has put me into the process of sanctification. We've talked about this in the last episode, the glorious or our, our yeah, our glorious destiny in Christ. We're all being conformed into his likeness and the process of sanctification is happening in our lives. And, um, we need to partner with that in our lives so we can partner it with in the lives of others. And, uh, you know, I just got to thinking about this and this is kind of an extension of what we talked about last time, but I asked myself the question the other day, what if I was for and not against do you know that if we are for something, we're an advocate, and if we are against something, we are an adversary? Do you know that the adversary, he, Satan, um, our adversary, he is, he is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He is not for us. He is against us, and he wants to take us out. He wants to remind us of all of our fears. 
He wants to remind us of all of our shortcomings, all of our faults. Um, He wants to make us hopeless. He wants us to become self-dependent. He wants us to live independently of God. Um, But we know that we need to be dependent on God for all things. So Satan is our adversary. He's against us. And so he is going to manipulate and he is going to exploit all of our our faults, our flaws, our downfalls, our sins, the things that we've done in the past, the things that we do to people the ways that we've been against people in the past. Now, let me just say that I don't hope or choose often to be against people, but oftentimes my flesh rises up and there's something in me, this selfishness that wants to do whatever necessary so that I thrive. And sometimes I'll, I will manipulate or exploit the weaknesses and the fears and the doubts of others to make myself look better. Now, I know it sounds terrible when you do that. When you say it like that, it sounds bad. And you were like, there's no way that I do that. But even on a daily basis, there are certain little things that I say, cutting statements to people around me, sarcasm, things, little underhanded or offhanded comments, being passive aggressive, using wit or joking, but not joking little things. I say to my wife to just tear her down just a little bit more because I'm trying to put myself on a pedestal, make myself look better or smarter, or just to be right. I then point out the ways that other people are wrong. And that my friends is no agent of change. What if I was for people and not against them? What if I was for, what if I was an advocate for the success of others around me? What if I was an advocate for being a positive impact in the lives of others? What if I was an advocate and for the growth of others around me, my friends, my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the people at work, right? What if I was for the joy of others? What if with the same measure that I go out of my way to experience comfort and joy and happiness, what if I did the same for others around me? What if I was for the maturity of others? What if I was for the bearing of fruit in those around me? What if I looked to those around me and said, you know what, I'm going to be an advocate for maturity and growth and fruit, spiritual fruit in the lives of others. What would that require of me? Now, I think that we can look at scripture And we could look specifically at the lives of Pharisees. Um, I think we could look at the way that Jesus dealt with Pharisees to learn what not to do. And then ultimately we can look at the kindness of God to look at what to do. So here's, here's what happens. Jesus comes and he enters into this Jewish uh, this Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, the, the, this Ju- Judaism, this religion, this way of life, this culture. And Judaism was, is predicated or built on the foundation of, of <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> of God being active in the lives of people. And one of the ways that he was active in the lives of people is not only revealing himself and showing them love and mercy, kindness and grace, but at one point he gives the law 
which is the law of Moses, the Levitical law. He gets moral law and the commandments ultimately. And he, he gives people a way to live and he says, do and do not do and do not. And so what happens is the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the people who've done all the study, they think they know everything. They think they've got it down to a science. Not only do they have the law, but they have the law and the Talmud. So they have the Torah, first couple books of the Bible, right? And then they have the Talmud, which is their commentary on the Torah. So they've taken law and they've multiplied it. So they take the law like the Sabbath and they say, well, you can't work on the Sabbath. So then in the Talmud, they'll say, well, what is work? And then they'll define work and they'll say, you can't walk so many miles in a day and you can't lift so many pounds in a day. So they take what was a law given by God and they compound it. So essentially what they're doing is they're increasing the burden of the law on the people who are supposed to be living by the law. And it's interesting because Jesus says to the Pharisees, or he says about the Pharisees, um, he says in Matthew 23, 4, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. He's speaking out against the Pharisees because what happens is the law was meant and given to help people live in alignment with what is good according to God, his moral and and right law. Scripture tells us the law was powerless to defeat sin. If anything, the law made us more aware of the sin in our lives. It was the standard for righteousness. And so when we looked at the law, we say, there's no way that I can live up to that. So the Pharisees, what they did is they say, hey, look, here are all the things you should and shouldn't be doing. Um, not only what God has said, but now what we're saying as the religious leaders. And so we're going to put this burden on you to live up to this, but we're also not going to do anything to help you live up to it. And not only that, we're going to make ourselves the, um, the people who know everything about it. We're going to make ourselves the experts on the law. And not only that, we're going to put ourselves above you. So what I'm trying to get at with all of this is that not only do people know the way that they've failed to live according to what is righteous, not only do we realize that we failed, is that oftentimes we're carrying around guilt and shame because of the ways that we failed. We know that we're not good enough. We know that we're, well, we, we think we're not good enough based on our actions because of what Jesus did. We are good enough, but we carry around this guilt and shame knowing that we've lived in a way that is less than what is required by the law. And so we're, we feel guilt and shame for it. And what the religious leaders have done is they've said, yeah, you suck. You really suck by the way. And not only do you suck, I'm not going to do anything to help you not suck anymore. <laughs> if that makes sense. And, you know, I just think about how we do this in our lives as, as people. Sometimes all we ever do is point out the flaws in others. But what if we did what we could do as an advocate to help them continue in the process of sanctification 
living in the likeness of God and allowing God or partnering with God in their lives to help them see this happen. So here's Jesus says this. He says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus realizes that the people of his time were weighed down by the burdens of the Pharisees, the way that they pushed the law and man-made traditions on them. So then Jesus in front of the Pharisees says to all of the people, hey, guess what? Come to me if you're weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. And then when he says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, essentially what Jesus is saying is he's saying, look, don't learn from the Pharisees. As a matter of fact, in, in one scripture, he says, um, uh, do what they do, but don't do what they say. Because the Pharisees did all that they could to appear as righteous. They, they lived by the law and kept everything religiously to a T. So he says, do what they do, but don't, or do what they say, but don't do what they do. Do what they say, don't do what they do. So what they were saying is live according to the law, do what is righteous in the eyes of God. Yes, we ought to do that. We should desire to be obedient to what now the spirit is telling us to be obedient to because Jesus said, or the God said, I will put my spirit in you. I will cause you to walk in my ways. I will make you righteous. So we do what is right according to the Father, but he says don't do what they do because what they do is they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and they put them on people's shoulders, a yoke that weighs them down. So Jesus says, my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's saying, let me be your teacher because he says I'm gentle and I'm humble and you'll find rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So the reason the burden is light is because Jesus wants us depend, to depend on him for righteousness to be born as a fruit through us. We don't have to conjure it ourselves. It's not something we have to work for. It's not a heavy load, a heavy yoke that we have to pull. It's just simply existing in relationship with Jesus as a, as a branch to the vine. We just receive what the vine has for us and we bear fruit that way. And so Jesus is gentle. He's humble in heart. He says, you will find rest. And so Jesus is speaking out against the yoke of burden that the religious leaders had placed on people because of their heart for power and self-righteousness. This religious system they built in the name of God was powerless to change and people were powerless to live up to it. So what we have is oppression, guilt, and shame. It's the fruit of religion. And so I, in the context of way that I think about this is that what are the kinds of expectations? What are the kinds of burdens that I've put on the people around me? Have I set people up for failure based on my expectations that I've put on them to live a perfect, flawless, sinless life around me? Like what kind of burden do I put on my wife when I expect her to be perfect in all things at all times? And then, not, and then not only that, if that's my expectation and she fails to meet that expectation, well, then here I am heaping guilt and shame on her because she's done wrong and she's hurt me. And so I say, well, you were wrong. I can't believe you did that. Why'd you do that? You know that's wrong. You should have done this. Why didn't you do this? And we just heap guilt and shame. Am I an advocate for change and maturity and growth when all I'm doing is heaping law on my wife? The agent of change is love. 
shown through kindness as exemplified by God. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, his restraint, and his patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Do you know what this word repentance means? Repentance means a changing of our mind. It's a changing of the way that we think. And if we change the way we think, we change the way we act and we behave. If there's change that happens on the inside first, then it happens on the outside. Happens on the inside, then it happens on the outside. It's the kindness of God that is intended to lead us to repentance. God's kindness, his love as exemplified, or shown through kindness, exemplified by God, his, his love... His kindness, his restraint, and his patience. All of that is meant to lead us to repentance. God knows that we need change. He knows we need discipline. He knows we need to be changed from the inside out. And so what he does is he meets our faults, our flaws, our sin. Every time we miss the mark, he meets it with restraint. He holds back. He meets it with kindness. He meets it with gentleness. And it's that gentleness, that love, that kindness, and that restraint that is intended, it's the power to lead us to repentance. Because what we need when we're off, what we need when, when we sin and when we miss the mark, is we need grace, unlimited. We need the kindness of God to lead us to repentance, where in repentance, by the Spirit of God in us, is the power to actually change. The law is powerless to change a man. I can tell you all day long, 100 times over and over and over, the things you should be doing based on what is right. Does me telling you over and over and over again give you the power to actually start to act out in accordance with what is, with what is right? If not, well then why then do we meet other people's missing the mark, their sin, their living in imperfection, our kids, our, wives, our spouses, why then do we meet it with anger and with condemnation and with we guilt trip them and we shame them and we're cutting and we use sarcasm and, and tone and we tear down? What if we were an advocate? What if we were for? What if by taking the kindness that God has given us in our, in our time of failure and what if we turn that and flip that and, and use that as a way to be an advocate for the change and the maturity and the growth of those around us? What if we harness the kingdom dynamic of kindness to be an agent, to have the power to be an agent of change in the lives of those around us? With the kindness that we've received from God, we use that kindness to others so that the same process of repentance happening in us begins to happen in others. When we fail to show kindness, we grossly misrepresent a loving, kind, patient, and wonderful God. We'll, we'll talk about Jesus on the cross for just a second, and then, and then we'll close it. Jesus had every reason to call down legions of angels to destroy his adversaries, yet he showed restraint and love. In fact, kindness is the way he dealt with us all. You know, Scripture says, that with the same measure we use, it will be done to us. With 
the measure of judgment that we judge others, it will be judged unto us. Scripture says that if we don't forgive others of their sins, that our Father in heaven won't forgive our sins. That's Jesus quoting. That's a Jesus, that's, I'm quoting Jesus. Jesus said that. What if with the same measure of kindness and gentleness and restraint and patience that the Father uses towards us in all things, when we fail, when we mess up, when we're wrong, what if then we flip that and used it towards others? With the same measure it's we've been given it, what if we use it for others? We can harness the kingdom dynamic, the power dynamic of kindness to be an advocate for change in the lives of those around us. Around us. What if we were for and not against? What if we began to see ourselves as an agent of change through love and kindness and patience and restraint in the lives around us? When I sin and I go to the throne, God doesn't meet me with conviction. He doesn't meet me with condemnation. He doesn't tear me down. When I approach the throne of mercy to receive grace in my time of need. God doesn't say you fool. Look at you here again. Just messing up over and over. Same, same stuff, different day, Jason. Gosh, when are you ever going to get it right? When are you ever going to change? When are you, when are you ever going to, whenever you, when are you live up to my standards, huh, Jason? When are you going to do that? Can you imagine if God received us at his throne the same way that we receive others at ours? Man, that's tough to think of. God, would you give us patience? And would you give us kindness? And would you give us restraint for those around us, Father? God, we admit the way that we've placed law, the expectation of perfection on those around us, and we know that that's unrealistic, God. And you've expected us to be righteous as you're righteous, Jesus, but you've put your spirit in us and you've given us love and mercy and grace, hand over fist, unlimited, lavishly, over and over again to assist us. You are lifting your finger. You are, lift, you are, you are using the work of your hands in our lives to help us to attain and achieve and bear fruit. It's you in us and God. So if you meet us like that and you assist us and help us and and love us through that process. God, help us to receive and assist and help and love others through their process as well. God, with the kindness you've given us, help us to give that kindness to others. With the restraint that you've given us, help us to give that restraint to others, to show restraint towards others, God, in their times of, of being wrong or whatever it may be, Father. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that your spirit's in us. Thank you that you're moving us, changing us and using us to be agents of change in the lives of others. God, thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let us harness the kingdom dynamic of kindness as an agent of change for us and for those around us. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Life Podcast. We'll catch you guys later.